Good morning, friends. Welcome to Mars Park United Methodist Church. My name is Uyan Kim, one of the pastors here. We're so grateful that we can gather in person and virtually wherever you may be joining us from to worship our God and praise our Lord together. Uh, there are a lot of things going on every single day of our lives, but here we are. We discern and chose to be together in worship. So grateful for that. As usual, we invite you to let us know who you are, especially if you're a first-time visitor or relatively new. Uh, please let us know how we can connect with you. You can do this by several different ways. There's a hospitality pad at the end of your pews. There's a QR code at the back of your bulletin. And online, there's a little link that you can click on to let us know how we can pray for you. And you can let us know if we can share the ministries of our church with you. Uh, one thing I want to let you know, our senior pastor, Dr. James, how he continues his sabbatical. He will be back with us on August the 1st. He sends his regards. He says hello. He misses us. We miss him, and we look forward to seeing him in just a few more weeks, okay? I'm grateful to be joined by my friend and colleague, Pastor Nancy. What else is going on today? There's a lot going on here today, and it would probably help if I turn on my microphone. Now, that's better. There you go. <laughs> I should just stand up here and move my lips and make you think. <laughs> there is a lot going on, and I would encourage you to check your bulletin and to check our publication, which is this week in Myers Park. Just because it's summer doesn't mean that we've stopped anything at all. I want to call your attention to a couple things, though. The Merry Midsummer Market is going on now. This is when we collect all the toys that we will offer at the Merry Market at Christmas time. So think about this as Christmas in July and get involved in that ministry. Also, this is the time when you need to be signing up your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and nephews for Sunday school. As you know, we have an amazing children's ministry here and if you can get them involved in that, it would be a blessing for them and a blessing for you as well. Now let's prepare our hearts for worship.
friends at home and friends here, let's join our voices together as one voice as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, would you join me in our prayer of confession, which you will find there in your bulletin. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Friends, this is the truth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Gospel reading is Matthew, chapter 13, beginning with the first verse. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat there, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they had not much soil, and immediately they sprang up. But since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain some a hundredfold, 
some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the light and riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of God for the people of God. So prior to our reading from Matthew chapter 13, if we should read Matthew chapter 12, here's some of the things that we see. We see that Jesus, yet again, has conflicts with Pharisees. Pharisees this time are pretty fed up with Jesus. They are plotting against Jesus, accusing him of working with a Satan. That's a pretty big accusation. Toward the end of chapter 12, there are seemingly some conflict odds with Jesus and his family members even. And then we have our passage today, and then toward the end of chapter 13 of Matthew, you will read, if you should read on further, that Jesus is eventually kicked out of town, of his hometown of Nazareth. And between these series of disappointments and heartaches, that's where we find our parable, parable of the sower has come to know it. It deals with the, the, the sower, the soil, the seed. I think we've all kind of experienced something like this in our lives uh, where we seemingly share, uh, at least to us anyways, obvious good news, helpful things uh, with those around us, particularly those whom we love. We share these things and only to be met with rejection and sometimes even revile as we see with Jesus and those whom he proclaims good news to. I remember many, many years ago as I was starting in ministry, my friend uh, who was a family physician, he would call uh, once a week, every other week or so, and bear his soul out of frustration. So this is early in his practice as well, so he would see patients. And, and he said, you know, you know I, I, I have all these patients who come to see me. I tell them, uh, very seemingly very simple, doable, available things in ways of their health. I tell them, don't binge drink, don't change smoke, don't do drugs. Right? Meth is bad. <laughs> Cocaine is bad. Don't do drugs. Uh, you can make some shifts in your diet in ways of what you eat. Drink plenty of water. Get some sleep. If you do these things, you'll add a healthy decade to your life. You'll probably be able to come off of about a dozen drugs or so. He would share this over and over and over again to no avail. He would say, my patients are not getting any better. They're getting sicker. They're not listening to me. 
Uh, we all have our own versions of the same story, I imagine. So there's a couple of things that we see. You are not alone in times of such frustrations. Uh, Jesus not only tells this parable, he actually lived the parable. This question of why are such soils so challenging and what makes for a fertile soil that takes the seed and yield good fruits. And if you have had a hard time yielding good fruits of the seeds that you've scattered, you're not alone. Jesus lived the same frustration. The path, the rocky ground, the thorn and the good soil, and then there are different uh, consequences. Seeds that get eaten up, that get scorched, that gets choked. And then lastly, there are seeds that yields wonderful fruits, some 30, 60, 100-fold of fruitfulness. So I, mean, I imagine most of us grew up uh, as, as Pastor Jessica invited us to register our young people to Sunday school. I grew up listening and learning about this particular parable in my Sunday school and later on in life. I think the traditional interpretation is well and good, and we would do well to hold on to it. It goes something like this. Uh, this sower, this farmer, might be seen by others as not such a good farmer. Why? Because a good farmer would solely focus scattering the seed on the good soil. But for whatever reason, this farmer scatters everywhere. The good soil, the path, the rock, and the thorns. And so is like our good Messiah, Jesus, who is a gracious and generous Messiah, Jesus does not only focus on sharing the good news with those whom we would deem to be well-to-do people, well-meaning people, but Jesus goes all over to all people to share the gospel, the good news. Yes, not only those who are in good standings in society, but those who are Gentiles, those who are tax collectors, those who are prostitutes, and onward and onward, all people. And we learn that then we should do the same as disciples of Christ, that we not only focus on serving and sharing with those who are well-to-dos in our midst, those who are respected and respectable, but rather we include those whom we would rather avoid, people who are difficult, people whom we would consider to be the path, the rock, and the thorn. We share the good news with them too, that we are in community with them as well, just as Jesus, just as the sower. And, and this is all very good. Uh, this is good interpretation that would serve us well as we serve God. Here's another layer that I wanted to add on to. As this past week, as I've been praying and reflecting on this passage and doing some research, here was a line of, a layer of interpretation that I'd never considered before, and it has to do with Farming, I did not grow up in an agrarian culture. I grew up in a city. I imagine perhaps many of you did as well. Unbeknownst to me, in the first century where Jesus is sharing this parable and those who've heard it or read it, they would know this all too well. In the, in, in the modern, uh, kind of postmodern industrialized world, when a farmer plant seeds, uh, the farmers would then do careful analysis of the soil, make sure that it's fertilized, that pH is balanced, 
and they would then plant the seed, good farming. In the first century agrarian world, apparently the seeds are scattered first and then the land is plowed. Now what does that mean? It means that actually the farmer would not know ahead of time if that land is what we would consider, what we read in the, in the passage, good soil, rocky, thornish, or on the path. That changes things a little bit. What does that mean for us? It means that as we scatter the gospel, we actually don't know what constitutes good soil anyways. Not only are we, from the earlier translation and interpretation, not only are we choosing to not only scatter the seed on the good path and all the other bad path, but from this lens and perspective, we actually don't, don't know what constitutes good soil in the first place. That's not for us to know. That adds a whole other layer of perspective for me. So what does that mean? Friends, as we do good works of God, as we join God in God's good works of sharing the good news and scattering the seeds of faith, it is not our role to determine what's good and what's bad in ways of the soil. That's not our calling. Our calling is to simply scatter the seeds. What's more, what's more interesting to me anyways, we actually don't know, wouldn't know what constitutes good soil anyways, right? That will be determined at a later time. I can relate to this, can you? Think of all the folks in your life who've poured into you, who've been good to you, who've mentored you, who've forgiven you, who've brought you to church, who've shared the good news of Christ. Do you think they did so out of calculations of who you were then and who you might be in the future? Or do you think they did all those good things for you and in you for you for goodness sake? Of course, it's the latter. Of course, it's the latter. And so we should do as well, that we scatter the seeds of the gospel, not with, that, not with any calculation. We do so because we're called to do it. And we allow God to let it grow. We simply join the labor alongside God. And as we do this good work, please remember that Jesus, too, encountered countless rejections and failures. Even at his hometown, he's told to leave. He's told to get lost. He's rejected by the very people who know him best. Rejection and the supposed perceived failures of our sharing of the gospel does not mean, does not mean that the message is wrong. It does not mean that our labors are in vain. But the parable simply tells us the reality and the facts of life. In life, even when we do good for good for others, there will be rejections. There will be failures. This parable knows the struggles and failures of human life and invites us to know the workings of the immeasurable love of God Nevertheless, the kingdom of heaven is like a bountiful crop that spurs on despite overwhelming setbacks. In fact, the parable itself kind of gives us a statistic, doesn't it? So, you know, there's four types of soil. One takes, the other three doesn't. So what does that mean? 25% success rate. 
Yeah? And it, it, I found that number to be kind of interesting. I, I'm kind of kidding in a way. But uh, the, uh, with a Pew research that I read several, several uh, um, years ago, it speaks to, in a state of North Carolina, and it's not so different from national average, of all the professing Christians, about 23% will attend worship service during the course of that week. There you go, 25%. As the Bible says, work is many, labors are few. Work is many. There's a whole lot of wonderful work for us to do together. And I don't know about you, I get at times so disappointed don't be. God says, just join me in this work. Don't worry about the soil. Scatter the seed. Scatter the seed. Because despite these numbers, what the parable tells us, ultimately, this is a story of hope and possibilities. Not because of the expertise of the sword, not because of who we are and what we're doing. The possibility and the hope lies in who God is. And what God has already done and what God continues to do. Mysterious and extravagant love of God beyond our control, beyond our understanding, and in many ways, not in our time, and in so many unexpected ways. But there will be fruits. There will be yields. Verse 19 and onwards, we read uh, what happens and what it means for these uh, soils on the path, the rock on the thorn. It uh, means someone hears the word but does not understand it. And the other one means that those who succumb to trials and tribulations and the other who succumb to temptation of, of wealth. And then at the very end, the good soil represents those who hear the word and understand it. Understand it. And I don't know about you, uh, there are times and seasons in my life, and it'll never end because we're all human beings. There will be times scattered throughout, even in the future of my life, where this will be true, where I've become, at times in the past, uh, disillusioned with my faith and even disconnected from the church. And I imagine many of us have gone through that. There's not a single response that will suffice in explaining why these things happen in our faith journey. But for me, I think in many ways, I failed uh, to recognize and pursue the, the Christian type of discipleship that, uh, uh, that followed the level of challenges and trials that we face as we grow older. My, my discipleship and reading of the Bible did not keep pace uh, with the questions that arise as we live life. And perhaps you can relate. Uh, to be honest, reading the Bible at times can be hard. Never mind understanding it, reading the Word can be quite difficult, yes? So oftentimes I did not like what it had to say, quite frankly. It seemed contrary to my cultural and worldly sensibilities. It seemed at times even outdated, right? Here's what Eugene Peterson says about reading the Bible. He says, it is necessary, as you read the Bible, it is necessary at the same time to live them, not to live them as a prerequisite to reading them and not to live them in consequence of reading them, but to live them as we read them. God is intrinsically personal and inviting. And God says, read and live the Bible simultaneously. Do so together. This is not just about gaining more knowledge, but this is life 
life-transforming wisdom that we gain as we live and read the holy text. And always remember, the parable teaches us, always remember to keep your focus, to keep our focus. Why? Because of all the disappointments and failures. I, I am as impatient as a person as I've met. I can get easily distracted, easily discouraged, and even at times despairing. But the par parable shows us that the sower here does not despair. The farmer understands that a lot of these seeds perhaps will not bear fruit, but continues the good works anyways. Keep sowing. We are called to do keep sowing. Remember this story, this parable does not end in despair, but how does it end? It ends with unexpected and surprising yields of fruits from the seeds that we're planting 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. Now I'm gonna share a number with you. Uh, the story that I'm sure you've heard at, at other times. I, I've shared the number at 8.30 and 9.45, and I'm about to share this number. It changed every time. I hope this is the right number. And this is the number of the charter members from 1925 when our church was founded. I counted again right before the 11 o'clock service. I counted this time 150 folks. David's going to check for me. Let me know, David, if I'm wrong. 150 members, charter members, in 1925. We're nearing our 100th year anniversary. We have over 5,300 members. Do the math, what is that? Right around 35 times the yield? I love that. Do you think that the people, 150 souls who committed their lives to this church in 1925 knew what we would become 100 years later? Perhaps, perhaps not. I wonder where God will lead us for the next 100 years. And I don't know what the trials and tribulations will be, I just know that our God is a good sower. And God continues to call us to do the same, to share the seed of faith, the good news of Jesus to all those near and far around us. Never mind the results that we may or may not see in our lifetime. Keep on the good work. Beside God, with God, God is with us. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us go now to prayer and God. Loving God, we thank you for the ministry of this church. We remember the light that this church has been in our lives and in this community. The ministries, the mission projects, the witness of this church that has brought life and liveliness to our city. We thank you for the gift we have been to one another. We remember the people who have poured into us, the Sunday school teachers, mentors and pastors who shaped us and formed us in Christian love. We recall the saints who have gone before, yet whose care and influence are still so present. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you for your provision that never runs out. We attend to your call out of scarcity and into abundance, as well as your assurance that we can depend on you, the God who provides. God, we know that our community has so much need and we trust that you will provide the way for us to meet those needs when we follow your voice. Help us to let go of our judgments and assumptions so that we can scatter your seeds of goodness and abundance. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, we thank you for the gifts that you are nurturing among us now. We notice the spirit at work among your people, bringing forth gifts of compassion and justice, care for children and youth, warm spirits and kind, encouraging words that can go so far. God, we are learning to celebrate the gifts we have rather than despair of the gifts we think we ought to have. Lord, in your mercy. Holy One, we thank you for the dreams you give us, dreams of a new reality where all people can thrive as a community brought together in love. We welcome your invitation to imagine how God-given abundance could transform our city and world. Your kingdom is good and beautiful 
even when at times it feels daunting. Gracious God, we give you thanks for all you will do among us. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you for the ways that you guide us into new expressions of your love in the world. We grieve for the ideas and ministries that gave life in the past that we now set aside to make room for new imaginings to take root. We rejoice that you continue to journey with us as we imagine your kingdom here and now, because we know nothing is impossible with God. So we join our voices and we pray the prayer of the resurrected one, your son, Jesus, by saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as the ushers come forward, it is our time to now give back to God a portion of what God has entrusted to us. We thank you for your generosity. It enables us to be a church in the community here in the city of Charlotte and all across the world. Thank you for your gifts. Let us give with joyful hearts.
Holy God, we offer these gifts for your building of the kingdom here in this world. Help us to scatter the seeds. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. as many labors are a few. God calls us to continue to join God's good work in sharing, scattering the seeds of good works, the gospel of Jesus. So let us do, go likewise as we go forth from this place. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. <laughs>